It is Monday in June. That can only mean one thing. It's time for another Mock Draft Monday. We're going to change things up and change our perspective on this week's Mock Draft. Talk a little bit more about talent overfit. Let's get to it. It's time for Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are indeed locked on magic. Today is June 5th, 2023. My name is Philip Ross. Mike. I'm the expert in site editor over at Orlando Magic Daily.com. Chris, follow me on Twitter at Philip RR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, it is a mock draft Monday. So we're going to break down another mock draft, talk a little bit about how things have changed, perhaps because of some news and perhaps because of a forced change of perspective. We're going to talk more about talent overfit because I think I, I, overcorrected in one direction. We'll talk about some of the Magic's options in this draft, how things could shake out, and what they should be thinking about at each of their two picks in the lottery. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment, plus recap game two of the NBA Finals. But first, we want to thank you again for making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. We're going to go through this exercise. We only got, I think, two more, three more of these left. We're going to make Monday Mock Draft Monday. And essentially what I want to do with this is, A, go over perhaps some of the news going on around the NBA draft and and, and, and what's going on with the Magic specifically. But I, I want to do this as an exercise to like kind of attack the draft from, from different angles. You know, last week we had the lottery order for the first time. Uh, and really dove into and got our grips into into the draft based off of kind of what teams need. And and and, and I will admit in my first mock draft, my mock draft 2.0, I do one before uh, the lottery order set, and then then I renew it after the after the lottery order set. And my mock draft 2.0, I will admit I put too much focus on team needs and put too much focus on saying, well. The Hornets don't need another guard. They got LaMelo Ball and, and and Terry Rozier. Why would they need Scoot Henderson? No. Instead, you know, and, and I'm planning to do another big board episode and, and do another big board uh, later this week. Uh, instead, what I want to do with this mock draft, I, I don't want to change the structure. I don't like reset the whole thing. I use my old mock draft as a as kind of a, a jumping off point. Um, to save myself some work so I could spin it out real quickly. Um, but I want to I, I want to kind of reset things and think about, okay, I thought about fit a little bit too much. Let's just focus on talent. And and doing that, and again, I've had conversations with lots of you guys. I've, I've, I've thought through a lot of these things. 
This is going to be a real important point for the Orlando Magic. We talked a lot about it last week, and it deserves some redredging here. The Magic are a team that is trying to make the playoffs next year. Then the players have put that out as a goal. Everyone understands that the next level for this team to reach is making the postseason. Whether that's play-in, whether that's the playoffs, it's making the postseason. And who the Magic draft is a part of that equation. No matter who the Magic are picking, I think the Magic should expect that player to contribute to the team in a meaningful way next season. Now again, to what extent, to who knows. But I would expect that the Magic will get a player that will contribute next season. They want a player that will do that. At the same time, there is certainly the feeling that... The Magic have one, like, last good bite at the apple. Like, like literally, this is, if the Magic are going to be a playoff team from now to the end of time, that's not true. Um, but if the Magic are going to be a playoff team for the foreseeable future, they aren't going to be picking sixth anytime soon. And so this is an opportunity to add a very, very talented player to your roster, perhaps for the last time, or to get that kind of guaranteed talent. Now, Jeff Waltman says this a lot. I agree with him on this. You can only take what the draft gives you. And, and, and I will continue to repeat this. I have told some of my friends this as they've discussed draft options and what the Magic could do. I say, look, it doesn't matter what everyone else's board looks like. It only matters what Jeff Waltman's board looks like, what the Magic's board looks like. If they think there's a player that a lot of mock drafts have going in the 20s and they have at 11 and they want to take him at 11, they take him. Who cares what the outside world thinks? All that matters is your evaluation. And all that just plays a huge role in how we evaluate and how we think about the draft. That's why a big board is really important and we're going to get to a big board later in the week. Let's dive into mock draft Monday then. If we're going to focus more on talent rather than fit, the mock draft completely changes. Last week, my top three was Victor. Victor's one. Like, we don't need to talk about that. But I had Charlotte taking Brandon Miller. Now, since then, there's been reports that have come out that say Brandon Miller is not interviewing well, that, that teams are not satisfied with the answers that he's giving. There's been some chat that Amen Thompson might sneak into the top three that Brandon Miller might even be there at six for Orlando. We had that talk with Mike Richmond a few weeks ago about possibly trading up to three to get Brandon Miller. I'm willing to amend my mock draft. Um, I, I wrote that I thought Scoot Henderson, uh, that Brandon Miller was a better fit for Charlotte at two, but I wrote even then that this is probably going to be Scoot Henderson. And on a pure talent perspective, Scoot Henderson should be the number two pick. This is a multifaceted, versatile a league, they can figure out a way to make two very good attacking guards who are, have shaky jumpers between LaMelo Ball and Scoot Henderson. They can figure out a way to make that work um, and they can find the players that they need to get back to the play-in tournament. If that's the case, then Portland's really happy because I think Brandon Miller allows them to go down the two tracks that they want to go down. Um, I think that he could contribute really, really well to a Damian Lillard center team. They don't have the problem of now we have three point guards that we need to start. 
uh, in Anthony Simons, Damian, Damian Lillard, and Scoot Henderson, which may still end up happening. But um, Brandon Miller is a perfect fit for, for, for Portland at three. Four and five are where this draft's going to get made now. Houston's going to probably draft Amen Thompson. I really like Amen Thompson. Houston, with kept having Kevin Porter Jr. as long as they have, have shown they like non-traditional point guards. They can run a lineup of Amen Thompson alongside Jalen Green and uh, and Jabari Smith if they decide to stay young. Um, obviously, if they go older, maybe that's a place where Jairus Walker sneaks in uh, if James Harden is really coming. But um, Amen Thompson, I think, is pretty solidly number four. We talked about him on Friday's episode. So this draft for the Orlando Magic, then, I think, really turns at number five. Um, in my original mock draft that we t- talked about last week, I had the Magic taking Taylor Hendricks. And I think I even said then, Taylor Hendricks fits a need, gives them some forward depth, some rim protection, some potential shooting. He's just a really, really, really solid player. But he is probably not a star player. And I'll take heat in the Locked On mock draft. It's coming. I don't want to spoil it. I... If we do that mock draft today, I the way I act in that draft is very, very different. I, I want you to remember that when when it comes out, we will talk about it. We'll talk about some of my thinking. We'll talk about some of the things that I explored that maybe I wish I had a little bit more time to explore. We did our locked on mock draft very, very early. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna pump the brakes. I think people will still generally be happy with what what happened, what what I got gotten it. Um, but we'll we'll pump the brakes on that for now. Um this draft then. For the Orlando Magic, it sets up really well if they are trying to get one last bite of the apple because they'll have the option between two guys, two flawed players. Don't get me wrong, two guys that do have a lot of question marks, but also a lot of talent between Cam Whitmore and Asar Thompson. Now, personally, I have Asar Thompson rated ahead of Cam Whitmore on my board. In my mock draft, I have Detroit taking him, although I think they would ultimately take Cam Whitmore. I think Asar is better, and so I'm going to stick with Asar just to keep with the thought experiment and to keep kind of with the experiment and thinking about, okay, is Kim Whitmore really the guy? If you go back and listen to our conversation with Richard Stamen, both he and I have some real concerns about Kim Whitmore. He is not a good free throw shooter for a guy who is supposed to be a great scorer. 70% free throw shooter is really concerning. I don't care if he had a wrist injury. Free throws are free throws. They don't change between levels. He is a a good three-point shooter by the numbers, but the free throw shooting is concerning. He obviously dealt with, he, not obviously, but he dealt with a little bit of a wrist injury, which certainly could have played a role in his poor shooting throughout the season. Um, but he also has an assist rate of like 6%. He is, he is one of the worst playmakers and passers among high-usage players in the entire NCAA, in the entire Division I NCAA. To me, that's still concerning. If I were the Magic, what I want out of the number six pick, and this is just kind of the general goal now, if my strategy is I'm taking one safe pick and I'm taking one swing, and remember back two years ago, we all thought that the swing was Franz Wagner and the safe pick was Jalen Suggs. Turns out it was the still kind of that way, but... Franz Wagner was a very, very safe pick. We all thought Jalen Suggs was just, a, was just a steal and a grab, but that turned out to be the right strategy. Take a, take your shot at a star with the first pick. Get someone that you're really comfortable with and safe with with the second pick. That's kind of what I'm thinking now with the sixth pick. So a week ago, 
I was fine playing safe with both. Let's get some quality players. Let's help us. Let's help this team become a playoff team. Ensure that both guys are going to contribute. I sit here today, having done some tape study on Asar Thompson, done done a little more tape study on Cam Whitmore. I sit here today saying the Magic probably should take one of those two guys with six. I would hope it's Asar. Honestly, if it's Cam Whitmore, that might be when I start to explore the trade down option. I I, I just I think that the idea should be get a player with star potential but has a floor high enough that he can give you something else. If a star Thompson doesn't become a star player and he does have star potential, but if he doesn't become a star player, he is an already an elite slasher. He has shown great defensive potential and maybe the shot comes around. Maybe it doesn't. That might ultimately determine whether he's justice Winslow or, or something, something more um, that might determine if he's justice Winslow or, you know, a smaller Pascal Siakam or, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, that's, a, it, I'll say it right here. I think Asar Thompson should be the pick at number six. Um, this just off of what I've seen and that could change next week. But for now, I think this is the strategy for the magic. So my mock draft, I have Asar going five because I have him rated above Cam Whitmore. If the magic take Cam Whitmore, they are taking a star swing. I just don't think they're covered. I think the bust potential of Cam Whitmore, even with his athleticism, even with his size, even with his defensive potential, I think Asar Thompson is just the better player. Um, I do worry that Whitmore isn't going to be able to do much more than if he's not an elite score, if he's not your primary score, I, I just worry that he's not going to be able to do much more uh, on the floor. And I do think the Magic need to cover themselves for that. That's my thought at number six. We'll talk about some of the other options that I that I think are interesting and, and maybe rising rising the list. And honestly, maybe I have a, a head of Whitmore. I'm I'm just not high on Whitmore. Richard Stamen continue to add some some stuff to make me wonder about Whitmore a little bit more too. But we'll talk a little bit about the next options and what the Magic do at eleven coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends over at Prize Picks. The NBA Finals are still going on, and every day of the NBA Finals, one prize picks user is going to win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be randomly selected each day, and whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks get you $1 million. Five correct picks, $80,000. Four correct picks, $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. Playing prize picks is easy. It is truly daily fantasy done right. All you have to do is pick your players. Say you want to pick Nikola Jokic after his 41-point game last night. Say you want to pick him, and he'll score more than 25 points. All you have to do is pick him and say he'll score more than 25 points. It's really that easy. Just do that two three, four, five, six times to make your entry and you could win up to 25 times your money on that entry. There's no competing against other people, no dealing with sharks or dealing with complicated salary caps. It's just you versus projections available. And PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch, including the NBA, including MLB, including NHL, including PGA, including WNBA, including NASCAR, including esports, and so much more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals and currently operate for more than 30 states, including here in Florida, as well as in Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. 
First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PricePix is going to give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix is going to give you $50. Don't forget to enter that promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. So I, I don't want to go like too much because, you know, I, I say this all the time about fake trades and, and look, mock drafts are great for clicks. They're great for just thinking about things. And, and, and again, that's, that's what I want this to do. That's what I want this exercise to do. I don't care. I don't care about my own picks, to be honest. <laughs> like, like I, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys are interested in who I think, but to me, it, it's not the who it's the reasoning. You know, again, it, that, that's so much about what I'm about when it comes to these kind of traffic baity articles. It's 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 not about who you're targeting. It's not about what that fake trade is. It's not about what that mock draft says. It's about the why. Always ask the why. I'm a big, big believer in that. So why do I think, you know, why have I switched from Taylor Hendricks to Asar Thompson? It's because... I think the Magic should take one more bite at the apple. I think that they should, they need to cover themselves. They need to have a player that can play a role if he doesn't turn into a star, but they need to leave themselves open to the possibility that they can get one more star player to put with Franz Wagner, to put with Paolo Bancaro, and really elevate the talent level on this team. I've said this a million times. I've told everyone that will listen to me. On this, we're going to talk a little bit more about it on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic as well. That's my deep tease for now. Um, Depth, to me, is the big thing uh, for this offseason. Get deeper. Have a roster that you can feel very comfortable with, that you're developing, that you're very comfortable with uh, going 8, 9, 10 guys deep. A playoff-level roster. You know, you look at, like, the two teams in the finals, like, yeah, there are still holes in their roster but, you know, Denver's going eight guys that they really, really trust. You know, Miami goes super deep with guys that they can really trust. And then Miami's still figuring things out. Denver's still figuring this series out as well. Um, that's like, I'll always ask the why. So, you know, it there are players later on in this draft that I do think are worth considering and worth looking at. And, and you know, again, we're going to use the, the mold, uh, probably the best way to say it, the mold of a mock draft to kind of explore these players. So let me, let me catch, let me catch up here since I, I, I remember the first six picks out of pure memory. Um, so with the seventh, so with the seventh pick in the draft, honestly, this, this is the guy I, I might take over Whitmore um, and Anthony black with India uh, with, with Arkansas, Anthony black, I have him seventh on my bo- seventh on, on my mock draft going to Indiana Really great defender. Um, his shooting is not good. And so do the Magic need another guard or another point guard who can't shoot? You know, again, I'm not sure. And, and, and again, I think this is, I do think the Magic are a team that is ripe to move down in the draft. I, I pitched this deal to someone. I'll talk about it probably. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it later on uh, in the draft process as well. Um, I pitched a deal, maybe the Magic trade down to like eight or nine, uh, trade with Washington, get Daniel Gafford, uh, trade six for eight and Daniel Gafford. You know, you can maybe give up Chumo KK in the process or give up a bull bull in the process. Um, 
to me, that is a that 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 fills a need and still allows you to get a high quality player in the draft. Well, you know, maybe not grabbing a guy that you really want. Like the Magic don't need the star. They can they can go out and fill some other needs. Um, that's that's the potential there because you know, do the Magic need Anthony Black? No, I really like Anthony Black. I think he's going to be a really solid player, but his poor shooting is really really concerning, especially for a team like Orlando. Um, I have Jarris Walker going eight to Washington. I've said this a million times about Jarris Walker. I really like Jarris Walker. I think he's going to win. I think he's a winning basketball player. I think he's going to help a lot of teams win. I don't think he's going to help the Magic win because they need shooting. They don't need guys who you know. This is the same concern I have about Anthony Walker. Same concern I have to some extent about Asar Thompson and Cam Whitmore. But at least Asar Thompson, Cam Whitmore, um, show the proclivity to shooting. Uh, show that have shown that they can get better at shooting, and there's something to work with there. Anthony Black certainly has that a little bit too. Jairus Walker, for as smart as he is, as strong of a player as he is, not a, not an offensive threat at all. And I, I just don't think the Magic can afford to go after a guy like that. The other two guys that I really like nine, I have Casey Wallace going to Utah. I'm pretty locked in at Casey Wallace, Utah. They need a point guard. Wallace is a high level point guard. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be an all-star type guy. You know, he kind of profiles a little bit like Tyrese Maxey, good defender, able to get to the basket, not nearly the finisher Maxey was, not, you know, while Maxey struggled from the three-point line in college, 80% free throw shooter, Kaysen Wallace is not that, but still a solid overall player. And then Taylor Hendricks. I have Taylor Hendricks going 10 to Dallas. I don't think he's there at 11 if Orlando wants to try and sneak him in at 11. Um, but, uh, but... Uh, Hendricks, like I said, really, really solid player. I, I think he just does a lot of things really well. And, and his versatility is going to be really, really key uh, moving uh, as he moves into the NBA. So who do I have with the Magic taking at 11? I'm going to make my hot take. We did a podcast on both of these guys last week. Um, this is where you get your shooter. If the Magic are determined, like I think they should be, uh, I'm usually pretty I, – I don't like to make grandiose statements, but – the Magic, I think, do need to come away from draft night with a shooter. Uh, and so 11 is the place to get your shooter. 11 is the spot to take care of this need. Grady Dick or Jordan Hawkins. You I've talked to a lot of Magic fans. I've honestly said this. I don't really care who the Magic take at six. As long as the Magic come away with one of Jordan Hawkins or Grady Dick, and I've even suggested maybe you try and get both, um, as long as the Magic come away with one of those players, I will probably consider this draft a success. I will probably consider draft night a success. I'll make my hot take of the day. Please, please, you know, roast me if you'd like. I think I take Jordan Hawkins over Grady Dick. Uh, I'm not lying there. I really love this kid. I, I've, I know I've said this a million times. I'm pretty zeroed in with Hawkins at 11. I really like him at that spot. Um, I think that he, I know I'm not the only one. I know there's a, a few of the lockdown hosts that also really like him in, in this range, uh, even if the mock drafts don't quite have him there yet. He's got good size. I think he can be a good defender. That, that attention to detail is not quite there yet, um, but great shooter, a volume shooter. Shot seven threes per game last year, shot a good percentage on those threes. Great free throw shooter, which certainly suggests that, th that the three-point shot will translate. Shoots on the move really well. Has great footwork coming around screens. Straight line drive driver at the basket. Again, this is kind of the big thing, right? This is kind of the the the, the statement or, or the differentiator between players. 
Yes, Grady Dick is a great shooter, perhaps the best pure shooter in this draft. He's a smart defender, better defender than I think people give him credit for, but he's still a guy you attack in isolation. He's still a guy that you're going to hunt for in switches. And we're thinking about the playoffs. We are thinking about the playoffs and, and how this team's going to play when they get to postseason basketball. So Hawkins, to me, has the shooting that Dick has, um, but he also has the individual defense ability. He also has the attacking ability. Now, he's not going to finish well in contact. He's not going to be able to change directions on the dribble. It's a straight line drive to the basket or it's nothing. And that's okay. Uh, but I really, really, really like what great what, what Jordan Hawkins brings to the table. To me, he is a much more complete player. You can use him in multiple roles in multiple ways. If they take away his shot, he's still going to find a way to be effective or he still has a potential to be effective. And to me, that's something that I value. That's a versatility that I value uh, in, my, in my evaluations and how I rank players. I'm not going to begrudge you. Again, so much of this, I'm not upset. Like, will I be upset if the Magic draft came with more? No. Like, that's a good player. Like, I, I, I see why people like him. I see why people would believe in him. I'm not there yet. I don't know if I will get there. I think there's a lot of numbers that 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 concern me with his style of play. Whereas like, and I saw Thompson, yeah, I saw Thompson shot 67%, 66% on free throws. Um, they do the one, I, I just found out in OT, they do the one free throw for two point steals. So that certainly depresses his percentages a little bit there too. But he stepped up big time in the playoffs. His three point shot is coming around and developing. And, and I like the way that it's developing, even though I think there's still a long way to go with it. And, and I know that if he's not a scorer, he's going to defend at a high level or he could defend at a high level. And to me, that's valuable. To me, that's something that I care about. Um, having a secondary role. If you don't become what you're ultimately going to be, if you don't become the, the, the tip, uh, the, 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 the most of your talent, because we're focusing on talent today, uh, what's, your, what's your floor? Or, or how far do you drop? You go all the way down where you're just not a usable player. I think that could be, I honestly, I, you know, again, Asar Thompson could certainly be that. I, I, I just see that more in Cam Whitmore than I do in Asar Thompson. If Cam Whitmore doesn't have the ball in his hands, you know, is he a good enough spot up shooter to, to do that? The numbers in college say he is um, from the college three point line, but I do have my concerns about the NBA three point line and, and, and what translates. This is the same deal. Like, who knows? You know, if you want to take Grady Dick at 11, I'm happy with that. Trust me. I like Grady Dick a lot too. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that Grady Dick's the wrong, the wrong pick either. I'm leaning Jordan Hawkins right now. Just to kind of round out this mock draft a little bit, my other options, uh, my number 12 pick, Oklahoma City Thunder, Kobe Bufkin. I, I don't think the Magic need a point guard. Um you know, so I'm a little loath to take point guards uh, in, in this draft because you got Cole Anthony, you got Marco Fultz, you got Jalen Suggs, you got three guys that you're pretty heavily invested in um, and, and want to see develop. You, you're going to play. And so, again, that pathway to play just isn't there. Kobe Bufkin's really good. Um, you know, again, maybe not a natural point guard, but a great scorer. You know, really just the modern NBA guard um, at, at that at that spot. I have Grady Dick going 13 to Toronto. Uh, keep an eye out on number 14, on my number 14 pick, Derek Lively. Um, he is shooting up draft boards very, very quickly. There's a lot of talk about his development as a shooter. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, 
just a really disappointing season at Duke. Some of it because he's playing next to Kyle Filipowski. Some of it because Duke naturally depresses a player's role. We saw that with Paolo. Um, but Lively is a big body. One of the top high school prospects in his class. That doesn't go away uh, there. The other name to watch, um, my number 15 pick, uh, there's reportedly a lottery promise for him. Um, and a lot of Magic fans are speculating that's from them. And after the game he had to get Mets 92 into the French Championship, certainly certainly there. He had 16 points today. Bilal Koulibaly, um, just a super athlete. Um, you know, everyone, uh, you know, Vic's, Vic's pumping up his guy, his teammate there. This is a guy that does have NBA talent. Might be a little more raw, but super athletic, super long. There's wingspan. It's a draft podcast. Podcast. We've gone 28 minutes without saying wingspan. He's got a long wingspan. Um, he is someone to keep an eye on when not. He is very much a magic type player. A little bit of a bigger swing, a little bit of a deeper cut. A guy that's going to need some time to develop, but he's he's very very skilled and and he's really come on strong as the season's gone on. He's got more playing time uh, and is playing really really well. Uh, I'm going to cut off the mock draft there. We're already out of the lottery. You can see the full mock draft, full first round mock draft. On our line to magicdaily.com. Like I said, I'm going to come back to a big board later on in the week. We'll do another mock draft shortly after that. And of course, we'll be back for a mock draft Monday to probably talk about trade options a little bit more seriously and, and what that draft could look like or what the Magic might try to do with, with, with some trades up and down um, in, in this draft. And again, I, I previewed some of my thoughts on that as well. When we come back, though, we're going to chat about Game 2 of the NBA Finals, a stunning 111-108 win for the Miami Heat. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. What have I been saying about the Miami Heat this entire playoff? What have I been saying? I'll pause for effect so that that you can repeat the words that I'm about to say. If you give this Miami Heat team an inch, they are going to take it. That is the Miami Heat way. That is the Heat culture. The Heat culture does not care about the score. They're clearly out-talented. They're out-talented against Boston. They're out-talented against Milwaukee. They're out-talented against Denver. They are clearly out-talented, but they will not be out-efforted. You can out-scheme them, you can out-play them, but they will not be out-efforted. And when a team is playing with more effort, with more intensity, with just a, a, a mind that the previous play doesn't matter, the next play doesn't matter, it's only this play, that is a dangerous team. And, and that's what Miami is proving over and over and over again. They did not, they did not do a lot of things really well. Denver was still able to kind of enforce their will in a lot of games. But what happened in game two that didn't happen in game one is Miami frustrated Denver, whether that was because they were missing shots, whether that was because they changed the defense up enough, whether that was because Jokic had to score and it took everyone else out of rhythm. Miami got under Denver's skin in a way that did not happen in game one. Of course, my favorite Steve Clifford quote, and it might have been a Stan Van Gundy quote, but Steve Clifford always said this. You know, we would ask him about playoff adjustments, and he would say, you know, look, the biggest adjustment any coach can make is for their team to hit shots. Game one was honestly lost for Miami 
when they missed a bunch of open threes early in the game. Denver was feeling feeling their way through the game. Their defense was a little bit lax. Um, they weren't as connected. Miami missed some open shots. Denver took control, and that was that. Denver felt very, very comfortable playing from ahead. In this game, Miami made those shots. Four threes from Max Drews in the first quarter. Fourth quarter, dominated by Duncan Robinson. He had 10 points in like the first two and a half minutes, three minutes of that quarter. And that completely flipped the game on its head. Making shots matters. It gives you confidence. It, it, it makes the basket do, 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 it makes the basket seem bigger. It allows you more importantly to set your defense. You're not playing in transition. Denver took an eight-point lead heading to the fourth quarter because they were defending decently. Nikola Jokic had 18 of his 41 in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. He was on the run getting to the basket, and Miami couldn't get set. They couldn't load up on him. They couldn't do the things that they were doing to make him uncomfortable, to make that whole Denver offense uncomfortable. That's, again, the big key in this series. The key in this series is Miami's three-point shooting and Denver's turnovers. If Denver turns the ball over, Miami's going to have a chance. That's what happened in this game. After only turning it over seven times in game one, Denver turned it over a lot in game two. They're playing on their back foot. They were trying to make up ground. And Miami was able to get out in transition. They were able to create some steals. They were able to create some confidence. They were able to make some shots. And that changes everything. Now, credit to Denver. They got down big. They fought back. They had a chance to tie the game at the end. But this is the other thing about Miami. And this is probably what she said earlier. Miami's goal is to make games close. They believe they can win any close game they are in. They believe Jimmy Butler is good enough to win any close game that they're in. And the numbers back that up, that they're going to win a lot of the close games that they're in. Denver's not, Denver certainly feels like it can win a lot of those close games too. And game, and these kinds of series turn on who wins these close games. Now, Denver lost this game early in the fourth. They had to play catch up. This wasn't some back and forth affair. This was Denver getting frustrated. Nikola Jokic had some real bad frustration fouls that he sometimes does. This was about Denver getting frustrated, losing their poise, and getting beat. And that's what Mike Malone said in the postgame afterwards. He was frustrated and disappointed that his team lost their poise and composure. That's why they lost this game. Miami did the trick. This is the trick that Miami does to everyone. They made them frustrated and made them lose their cool. That's where these games are decided, unfortunately. That's where a lot of these games are decided, um, is in that space where teams lose their cool. If Denver's going to win game three, and, and look, Denver, I think, is still very much in control of this series. I think they're still very much the favorites, but now they've given Miami some confidence. And the last thing you want to do is let a team like Miami take the lead. Because again, they believe they will win every close game. So if you let them lead, if you let them control the series, they believe they're going to win this, win this, win the thing. That's 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 the truth of the matter. I'll be curious to see what Denver does. I thought their defense was fantastic in game one. Their defense was really lax in game two. It certainly felt like as much as I know Aaron Gordon said he didn't listen. He tried to block out all the noise around him. It very much felt like Denver listened to all the noise, and all the talk from the last two games saying, hey, Miami's got no answer for the Nuggets. This one is already over after one game. You could hear Mike Malone saying we haven't accomplished anything yet. Um, trying to downplay his team's success. 
I think Denver got a little a little high on the hog there. I think they, they they were feeling a little full of themselves, thought they could just turn it on, and it's just not what you're going to be able to do against Miami. Is that lesson learned? Well, we're going to find out in game three because there's a lot of questions now about the Nuggets. This is what everyone had concerns and why they weren't favorites to come to be in this moment to be in the finals is because they have often struggled with this, this, with this very thing, this kind of intensity of focus in big moments. They've been able to overcome it so far this year because they're just so ruthlessly efficient and Nikola Jokic is just so incredible. Now they got to do it again. Now they got to, now they got to make it all work here. Game three is Wednesday night, I believe, um, in Miami at the Kaseya Center. Could be an interesting one. We'll recap that as, as we've been doing throughout the whole playoffs, recapping the playoffs uh, on this show, because it's important to know what's going on at the highest levels as the Magic try to develop and get themselves there. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Hit your tune in him like Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all of us on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. Relay some of the Orlando Magic. Be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me there on Twitter at omagicdaily. We appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. For my everyday listeners, or if you want to join our everyday crew, on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about what I think is actually the biggest need the Magic have this offseason and why there are so few options to fill it. We're going to talk about backup center and what the Magic do there. We'll get to that on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Phil Frostman Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.